From Radiotopia, you're listening to Love and Radio. I'm Nick Vanderkolk. Today's episode, The Magical World of Eva Julia Christie. Bulky and imposing, half demolished and half falling apart and crumbling. Not quite brutalist in nature, but there are some really pretty heavy components that uh, dominate. Huge windows, structural elements shaped as a zigzag. The concrete on the outside has deteriorated a bit and, and is a different color. The windows are partially there and partially missing. Seven balls of different shapes, just randomly arranged on the top. An inscription from somebody who just climbed on the top and graffitied something, Kitty, I love you. The area in front of it is completely overgrown with ferns and there is trash hiding among the greenery and obviously it's been used by the vagabonds and there are stray dogs around. There's a small faded poster here on the wall. The only color left is blue and it says the magic of the circus. There is this huge barrel leaf out of metal of two circus performers, a clown and an acrobat. One of them is missing a head. On the one hand, it's it's sad to see what's happening, and on the other hand, it's quite representative of what has happened to the empire itself. It opened its doors in 81. I was born in 88. I've only ever been here maybe two or three times as a child, but it was all very memorable. This area was completely different. It was sparkling, paved in marble, lights all around. It was like going to a ball, maybe, for for a young child. Uh, Ascending this staircase, all of the circus in front of you and kind of feel this anticipation. Now it's owned by the state properly. They're working on unfreezing the accounts and paying off all the debt. That's why the circus has become operational recently. In 2013, the smaller arena opened its doors to some performances. The small performances that they're doing in the smaller arena that's uh, seating only 150 people compared to the big arena that that used to sit 2,000 and and was one of the biggest, most comfortable such arenas in the Soviet Union. It's a little spooky sleeping next to this giant abandoned building. In one way, yes. You have to remember that a lot of people died in this building doing their amazing shows. It's, It's very sad for me, more than anything. Yes, it's very sad. Some on the beautiful first-class marble columns are now covered with communist graffiti. It's an immense building and uh, we are in the back of it. Well, what we have is is a very modern, big magic illusion show with uh, huge illusions, dancers, singers, kind of modern version of Las Vegas show. Who sort of inspired your aesthetic? Siegfried Roy, of course. I saw them when I was 16 years old and it was like, yes, that's so cool. No woman have done that, so that's what I want to do. As a magician, I'm I'm talking now from a point of view that is totally different from other people. You have some information that people normally don't have. As a magician, I study the human mind. As a magician, I see that a curtain A thin little curtain is making you not see my reality, but the reality I want you to see. 
I create illusions and make people believe a huge cage is empty. Then, no, it's not. I put fire inside of it. And inside is a tiger. Or I transform a girl in split of a second to a dog. Or I make people fly in the air. I'm a strong bitch from Norway, a big Viking woman with big tits and blonde hair. I'm not young, I'm not beautiful, but I have charisma for 10 normal magicians. I know how to entertain public. Uh, the show is very fast moving, it's, uh, it has very many aha wow effects. And um, it's built very basically on a good quality entertainment, but the star of my show is the animals. It's basically a friendship with animal show where, where animals are I'm not doing any jumping to hoops or fire. They are just, I'm trying to show the animals that the wild animals are not monsters, that we need to protect them and give very good show value for the money at the same time. The apocalyptic scene in central Kiev tonight a firewall of blazing tents and smoking tires as protesters defiantly lob firecrackers and other missiles. Confronting them, a barrage of riot... So I have been working like all the best places to work, you know, and, and that's why we went into to Ukraine and I had a two-year contract with the National Circus with amazing condition for the animals, for us, great money, everything very good. And then while well, we are there in November last year and it, it, it all developed to be a nightmare, you know. We was touring Ukraine with a big uh, show. We was in Kiev, we was in Odessa, uh, where it also happened very bad things and a lot of people got killed. The whole world know about the political situation in Ukraine became very dangerous. It was getting worse and worse and worse, potentially very dangerous. So we had to leave the country uh, and that had to go quick. So we ended up here in lovely Moldavia in Chisinau. We have done now a 26 uh, shows run, one month. And how long have you been here now? Nearly three months. It's like uh, two months and three weeks. I'm just trying to get out of the country again because being in that is old communist countries, you have three months to stay there and then you have to get out again. Mm -hmm. So now I have to bring a big show and a lot of animals quick out again to find a, a place, a decent place to work. The thing is, you can't transport wild animals over the borders without having a new contract to go to. You need to have a reason to go to your next. You can't start to just put animals in a truck and go. You have to have a reason to go there. And that means that you have to have import papers and export papers made. That I make in, in a second because everything is correct. I have everything legal. All my animals are the vaccination. They have their microchip and thing. So it's not that complicated. It's just that I have no contract. Right. Now I'm stocked. I have lost $110,000 in a few months. My savings are going. I don't know what to do. It's an extreme situation. Yeah, yeah. And now all my employees, they are leaving because 19, they have to be out. The only one they can do now is they can get a prolongation for my papers to stay here to take care of my own animals. And so you're, you're, so you're stuck here? Yeah. And are they okay with you keeping the animals there for a while? Or? We see. But what happens if, if you're not able to get a contract in time? Like what are, what are your, do you have fallback options? Um, no, they will find a solution. I always do. Okay. I always do. I'm a survivor. Yeah.
interesting animal so it's not the money yeah, yeah. Mm. So where, where are the animals right now like what where do they where do you in, have in the them? back here yeah. oh. oh great they have um they have you want to see that yeah so, definitely yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. hi baby oh my goodness how are you we have a white lion here. George! Oh my gosh. Hi, my love. How are you? Good girl, my love. Yes, my love. Fufilo. Yes, my love. Come, baby. Hi, my love. How are you? Then is Maya. She was a winter lion. All the zoos in the world are beautiful, uh, 90%. But then you have many of the very sophisticated and the big ones are killing animals. Perfectly healthy animals, but it happens everywhere. When I lived in Denmark, the lion park in Denmark, very famous, it's very nice, it's very cute, it's all the fluffy small lions. Now when the season is finished, these 30, 40 lions, where do they go? To heaven, because they're not commercial anymore. The same thing would happen to my little Maya. Maya was in a zoo in Odessa, and uh, nobody's interested to feed an animal that nobody wants to see, so winter lions die. So I took her quick, I put her to my apartment. Maya, the, the, the young lioness, was sleeping in my bed, in my apartment in Kiev, till she was eight months old. A different life, but uh, she loves it. And she's very healthy in the head, and she's really funny, and a lot of humor, and she's a little gangster, she's wonderful. That's our white tiger here. The white uh, tiger, the same history. Uh, he was uh, by a guy who had no clue at all about animals. He drugged the animal and used him very much for photos and all the thing and drugged him with Valium. So he became aggressive. When he didn't have his Valium, he, go, he went crazy. So he had a fight with another tiger, so his ear is a little bit uh, scruffy. And the guy was supposed to kill him, put him to sleep. And I took him quick away and I said, okay, I, I give you 14,000 euro and the tiger is mine. Have you had any, any accidents? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I had one accident. It was by a sick tiger who for 11 months had her injections every day. She had, uh, we find out after, a birth defect in the shoulder and she had pain. So I was giving her anti-inflammatory uh, every day and her kidneys went and she didn't want any more. And um, she bite me one time in the, in the arm and let me go, nothing else. I looked at it, uh, that looked very horrible. It was really open, the canyon went inside. I, I got some antibiotic. Uh, I always use very high quality human antibiotic for my big cats. I don't use animal antibiotic. I got myself some antibiotic, uh, put some alcohol inside, some pomade and badash, and I said, you can't sew it anyway. <laughs> she like bite and let go and she looked at me and she was like, you could really feel, see she was super sad, super, super sad and it was horrible. But apart from that, never. The animals doesn't attack their own mother. That's what you are playing at when you are social training an animal and, and being friend with the animal, they don't attack what they love.
I think I will be most probably end up as this strange cat woman with a little bit bigger cats and a lot of normal cats. They are such a genuine creatures. They don't lie to you. They love you, they love you. They hate you, they hate you. I'm far less scared of tigers and lions than I'm human beings. The relation I have with men is like a very different thing. I mean, my relationship with my big cats is based on unconditional love. A uh, relation with a man is conditional love. In the big cats, you love them anyway. But in a man, you have to prove something before you love them. <laughs> like, what if one of your big cats went crazy and you know, killed someone? I mean, yeah. would that would still unconditionally love them? Of course. That's what they are. They are, they are there for, they are predator. And I, and I have testament, I have my will done if they should kill me. Nobody can kill the cat because I choose to work with them. They didn't choose to work with me. I did something that very few people dare to do. I did live my life. To live your life, to live your dreams, cost a lot. And I paid the price, but I was willing to pay the price. Can I have another one like that? Mm -hmm. You want a beer? I'll, I'll take that one, the brow. Oh, brow, yes. Oh, brow, yeah. yeah. I don't think I've ever been in a country as poor as Moldova where the women are as... Stunning, beautiful. Yes and no. I mean, they're mostly just sort of skimpy, skimpily dressed. Yeah, no, that, that, that's for sales reasons. No, but it's like that. They have, they, they need to find themselves a rich husband. That's what they've been told from their very young, uh, from their mother's sperm, from being young. And they have to be as, as slim as possible, as little dressed as possible. But they're stunning, beautiful, many of them. And, and it's, it's very sad to see. And that's when the old feminists come up in me and say, wow, that's so wrong and it's so sad. You choose your husband. You don't take any twat coming around because he have money or have a good car or good education. No, that is what you are brought up to. You have to be a good product so somebody can buy you. Sad, <laughs> from my point of view, but for them it's okay. Being a man is very simple to, to be in show business, but more complicated to be a woman on stage. And I mean, Cher does it because she's Cher and she's amazing. You can't have wrinkles, so of course, Botox and collagen, that can save everything but my back has been ruined. I have to take medication to survive and then I put weight on it. That's no go. You can get away with a lot, but overweight is like sign of loser. As an artist, your product, wrinkles looks wonderful, but on the neighbor, not on me. I can't afford to have a lot of wrinkles because then nobody wants to give me work. I've done it by Mark Ranch, basically, which is Madonna's surgeon. And Sorry, you can't see very much, nothing is done. I think it's pathetic if you are like me being 50 in a few months and running around and think that you're going to look 28 or whatever. Just want to look fresh. Was there any piece of you uh, before you did it of just like, fuck this, like, I'm not going to buy into this like male-dominated bullshit? No, you, yeah, you can fight as, I mean, I, I'm a fighter, of course, but I mean, like, it, to a certain limit, you can fight uh, some few things. You can't fight... Like really like, uh, it's a male dominated uh, society uh, anyway. I mean, especially in show business as well. A lot of 
rich old white men are, are the owners and, and they are deciding. And the sad thing is that I'm, I, I fill up arenas for 18, with 18,000 people and have standing ovations, but I still have difficulty to get jobs. I, I hope this isn't too personal a question, but I, I would think with your lifestyle, it's very difficult to have relationships with people. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've been married three times. My, my first husband, uh, I was 20 and he was 33 and very handsome, very wealthy, uh, big businessman in Norway and it was perfect till two years into the relationship and he started to change and his father died, his dog died and he started to drink and he started to be like my dad. I come in one day through the door and he said, uh, Eva, you have to go out to the garbage. I said, yeah, don't worry, I have, I have taken the horses out and before I go, and of course you will do, don't worry. He just sucked me up and he nearly, nearly killed me. He nearly, I bleed from everywhere possible. And uh, we lived far away on the countryside and we had just his car. I managed to stop all the bleedings and so on and so, and I went into town and I collapsed by my friend. He nearly killed me and then after he raped me, so it was okay. I sued him and I won, and that made me that made me survive. <laughs> the cool thing was that somehow he waked up, and after like one year or something like that, he was sitting a whole winter with a pumpkin to his head, and he wanted to kill himself because he found out that after what he had lost. Because I, I loved him more than my own life. He's dead. He died. He died. Yeah. No, he died. He killed himself. I have a funny feeling he did. I don't. I never get to know this truth. Then I fell in love with a pilot, half English, half Iranian Jewish, very strange genetical background. I loved him very much and then I find out that he had some, it was always like the last five, six years, I was like, I couldn't never put the finger on it, it was something wrong. We have been together nine years. We did a big show in, in Malta and I find him with a 12 year old girl in my hotel room. So then I tried to kill myself because that image you can't live with. Everything else I stand for is an ethical treatment of my fellow human beings. And he had sex with a very underdeveloped 12 year, not a developed 12 year, a underdeveloped 12 year. And then I tried to kill myself because I couldn't live with this image. You can't imagine that you spend nine years of your life with a man that after he knew what I had gone through with my first husband. I was very honest, I told it all, and then that happened. But I still love people. It is a lot of damaged goods out there. You can't be so naive and think that everybody is kind and sweet because it's not. there's a lot of character-damaged people there. There's a lot of sociopaths and psychopaths out there and people who want to ruin your life and people lying and cheating. I mean... I mean, we only just met. I mean, you don't know you don't know anything about like who I work for or anything. To actually even just speak into a microphone mm. is sort of a that's it, an act. That's yeah. a big act of trust, you mm. know. And the, the thing is, like you you try to you try to make an analyze of the people you meet, and then you try to select them. You can still do mistake. I still do. As long as you keep to the truth, nobody can come after you. And that's what I always did. I learned to keep the truth. I know, but, people, but people can twist them. Of so course, of course, of course. They can I try. Could, I could go home and I could mm. edit this and make yeah. it look very bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, so of course. I, I'm just curious, like, what mm. makes you trust me, you know, anymore? 
You have very that nice eyes. And that's, I like nice people. But uh, you can still do mistakes and it doesn't matter really. So is it, it's just the two husbands or there was a third one? The third one, yeah, okay. came into the picture. He was, was uh, 15 years younger than me and really handsome and uh, looking a little bit like you actually. But, but he had HHD and to live with people with HHD is extremely it's impossible. Mm -hmm. So hyperactivity syndrome. Yeah. So, and it's like, uh, uh, it doesn't work. What kinds of things would he do? Then? Not being on medication, he could just explode in your face and beat you or spit on you or attack the person beside of him. And he broke my ribs because I didn't, he, he started to attack other people. So I had to stop him. And then of course he, he went on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got in the middle. So now he, he has, He's armed security for one of the most pushed. <laughs> how, how is that possible? He's armed security one of the most pushed uh, shopping uh, malls in all of Madrid. The infection of the mind is the most dangerous. You have to, these traumas, you, you, either you let it ruin you or you talk about it and some of the infection, some of the pus goes out somehow. And the scar will always be there but after you can survive it, somehow. How did you get into your, uh, your line of work? If I tell you the truth, The truth is reincarnation. Okay. Because it's so simple. You explain me how a little girl from a wealthy family have nothing to do with show business. For the first time I come inside and I saw a circus show, but circus show on the very, very, very high level, I felt home. I'm very, um, how to say? All my family are psychic. All psychic? Yeah. So on all my mother's side, we all have somebody who can see the future and it's always correct. So one also other reasons why I was always deeply interested in, in parapsychology, why I was interested in metaphysics and all these things. Because through my life, I've seen a lot of things. I've always I've seen the world future and each thing comes. Uh, I know when people are gonna die uh, and it's always correct. I know how I'm gonna die. How? How, how am I gonna die? Yeah. Well, I go out of a big, uh, big door in a big uh, official building. I think it is an official building, a big glass door, and in the middle of the staircase. In the middle of a staircase. Yeah. And do you know when? Mm, uh, when it was supposed to be, yes, but I don't know. Maybe it's coming before. Really? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not so dangerous. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't exist. It's just an illusion. Maybe also why I'm interested in magic. Because magic has nothing to do with it, but real magic has. I find this very interesting because I think a lot of the other magicians and illusionists that I know of, 
in part because they spend so much time constructing them, I think they're they're much more skeptical people. Some of them, yeah. Through. No, no, yeah, yeah, like yeah. The amazing Randy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, he's fantastic. He's really cool. Houdini was also. Houdini was also. He was really desperate. He wanted to have contact with his his mom. He was uh, was also extremely. He was in deep sorrow and all the thing. The problem is that magic is not when you look for it. Magic comes very automatically. Magic is something you have. Uh, the definition of this uh, these powers. You can definitely you can make many different definitions. The most important thing to have an open mind. I have done my thoughts on these things. It's not like I've done talking bullshit because my mother learned me something very interesting, very important when I was young. Never talk about things that you haven't thought good about. Don't have a meaning if it's not a real one. You don't buy meanings from other people. She always told me that, and this is the reality. That's it for Love and Radio. The show was produced by myself and Brendan Baker, with help from Orla McCarty, Justin Grotlishen, Gina High, and Elena Terzi, who you heard at the top of the episode, giving a tour of the circus in Chisinau, Moldova. Eva Julia Christie's website is juliachristie.com. That's Christie with two I's and an E. We are a founding member of Radiotopia, which is supported in part by the Knight Foundation and MailChimp, celebrating creativity, chaos, and teamwork. And by our listeners, who are the best-looking people on the internet. Thanks. <laughs>